cryptids and creatures, the paranormal, aliens and UFOs, forbidden knowledge, ancient mysteries, conspiracies, and more. Hey everyone and welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for hanging out today. Coming up on today's episode is the paranormal world of pendulum dowsing, speaking with the other side, and how this skill set was used to help one woman who has had a lifetime of terrifying alien abduction experiences. But before we get into it, I hope you enjoyed my last episode on the mysterious Nahani Valley up in the Northwest Territories of Canada. It was really great to get back to doing some research that I'd been wanting to do for such a long time. It was a wild summer, but I got a bunch of positive feedback on it, so I'll definitely be throwing you all some more research-based episodes soon. And if you haven't yet, make sure to take a minute to subscribe to the show wherever you're listening or streaming and set your device to auto download so you never miss a new episode. And it also helps me out a ton. One of the biggest ways to help the show grow as well is to share it around with your social networks. And don't forget to give me a follow over on social media as well. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, the app formerly known as Twitter, threads, and even my website, strangeology.com, which has its own blog. So if you enjoy the Strangeology podcast and want to find out what I'm up to on a regular basis or want to see more content from me, either in blog format or in short video format, that's where you can find it. Links for all of this will be in the show notes as always. And I finally got around to updating my website blog too the other day with an article about the Dover Demon. So definitely check that out. Also, I want to welcome some new members to the Patreon today. Welcome to Ivan, Chris, Flash, and Kurt. Glad to have you all aboard. And if you want to become a member too and to join this growing Fortean community online, make sure to go to patreon.com forward slash strangeology to learn how to support the show and about all the tiers I have along with all their membership perks, some of which include shoutouts, merch discounts from my shop, exclusive merch, ad-free and early access to episodes, as well as access to my back catalog of episode extensions, which are sometimes whole episodes all by themselves, and more. And a big shout-out to all the members of the show, past and present. Your support means the world to me and helps to keep this ship powered and on course to reach the next level. It's a great time, so if you love what I do and want to show your support, head on over to patreon.com forward slash strangeology. We'll see you there. And just a quick recap of the Sasquatch Calling Festival that happened this past weekend in Whitehall, New York. The event was even bigger than the year before, and it was overall a huge success. So I just wanted to say thank you so much to everyone who stopped by my tent to say hello and to chat, share stories, or to pick up some Strangeology merch. I'm 
really glad that I printed up a bunch of my home state cryptid shirts for New York featuring the Beast of Whitehall design because I almost sold out of the run that I did of those. So that was awesome. And thanks to Chris over on Patreon for wearing his shirt that he got a while back. And people were going up to him and saying, where did you get this shirt? And he sent them my way. So thanks, Chris. And it was great meeting you in person and uh, getting to chat for a little bit. (laughs) And I was pretty much stuck in my tent all day, but I did manage to sneak away for a couple minutes here and there. I didn't have time to get snacks ahead of time, so I had to run to the food tent or to go get a drink somewhere. But I actually got to catch a little bit of the calling contest too this year, which was fun. And it was just wild seeing the amphitheater seating that they had on the riverfront was just packed with with hundreds and hundreds of people who are all there to celebrate cryptids and Bigfoot and all of that. It was a great time and I'll definitely be returning to that event next year in 2024. And this was also my last event that I'm appearing at for this year, 2023. So in the meantime, I'm going to be planning on what events I'm going to be doing for next year very soon. I already have two on the books, but if you have any suggestions of events that you'd like to see me at that are a reasonable driving distance from New England, drop me a DM over on Instagram or TikTok or Twitter, or you can send me an email to info at strangeology.com. Love to hear from you. All right. Well, that's enough of that. Let's get into this episode's guest segment. We're going to be starting off the spooky season this October, speaking with a paranormal team. Dan Baldwin and George Sewell, who are authors and investigators of the paranormal, strange, and unexplained, and have also found themselves involved in the alien abduction phenomena. It's a pretty wild ride, so sit back, relax, and enjoy. All right, folks, welcome back. Joining me for the show today is Dan Baldwin and George Sewell, who are a team of paranormal researchers and ufologists, among many other things. Uh, So welcome to the show today, guys. Thanks for being here. Can you tell my listeners a little bit about what each of you do? Yeah, Yeah, go, George. Okay, I'm, I'm George Sewell. I'm in Louisiana, and I've had a lifelong interest in outer space, astronomy, um, the whole concept of space travel. In fact, as a child, uh, my favorite toy was getting a big box and making it into a spaceship, and then spending just oodles of time just cruising the solar system and whatnot. Um, so I've always had that interest. Uh, professionally, I, I spent 30 years as a therapist and counselor. And that skill set served me very well in the late 1980s and early 1990s when I was a a member of the Mutual UFO Network, and I was the assistant to the state director in Louisiana. And I had an opportunity uh, to interview a number of people who had had some sort of encounter or experience. And Dan was often uh, with me on these interviews. And what really just jumped at me was they were less concerned with an explanation, 
but to find somebody that they could talk to about it. And that that fit my niche very well. And so I got to learn a lot about um, individuals who've had various encounters, not so much trying to give them an answer, but to give them uh, an honest and confidential ear. Great. And yeah, um, yeah, I'll go ahead. Uh, yeah, uh, Dan Baldwin here. I'm out in Arizona, uh, Phoenix Mesa area. I'm a uh, freelance writer, author, uh, ghost writer for other people. I'm also a ghost writer who writes about ghosts. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I make my living writing mostly. Uh, I do novels, uh, nonfiction, all kinds of things. And about 20 years ago, I got an urge to uh, help find missing kids. And that, that's a story in itself. But that led to uh, me deciding to uh, explore my psychic side. Uh, I've always been told we had a psychic side to the family, and I figured that might help. Uh, so uh, I started exploring that. I was a co-founder of a group of psychics called Find Me, which led me to uh, do a lot of uh, about 15 years of psychic detecting. And that led me to meet some people. And we went into using our psychic abilities to explore the uh, the other side, the spirit world. And that led to uh, development of some books I wrote on the spirit world, which led to me and George working on one of those books, which led to uh, George calling me up one day and saying, hey, uh, do you think uh, we could use a pendulum dowsing to explore the UFO phenomenon? And I said, well, let's give it a shot. And that's where we are today. Great, great. Very fascinating and accomplished backgrounds for for both of you guys. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm I'm super excited to get into the topics today. Uh, Dan, I wanted to start with asking you, can you tell my audience about pendulum dowsing and what what was your background with this and how did you learn about it and get started with using this technique? Yeah, basically, I stumbled on it. Um, I wrote in some of my earlier books that uh, yeah, I came to the psychic development very late in life, and I call myself a psychic on training wheels. And uh, the more I get involved in, in, into that world, the more I, I see that that is pretty, pretty accurate description. But I was, you know, um, and looking for missing kids, I'm not a trained detective. I have no you know, background in, uh, you know, missing persons or anything like that. It occurred to me, you know, uh, maybe this psychic angle will work. So I started hanging around psychic, psychic bookstores, things like that. And one day I saw a woman holding up one of these. And I said, wait a minute, I can do that. And this is basically a, pen, basically a pendulum. And most of your audience is probably familiar with the old farmer out in the North 40 looking for water with the, with the witching stick, the Y-shaped uh, willow branch. Well, it's the same technique, except I use, uh, well, George and I now use a rock on a string. And it's, it's simply a weight. It, uh, uh, like any other psychic tool, there, there's nothing mystical about it. It's just a tool. But the way it basically works, and this is, you know, uh, compressing time a good bit, but uh, it's a little bit like hypnotism, you know. Your conscious mind follows the, the rock on the string, which frees up your subconscious mind. Once your subconscious mind is free, you can uh, address Oh, the Akashic record, God, the universe, uh, whatever, whatever you want, whatever you want to call it. Uh, George and I have been able to uh, make contact with uh, the inhabitants of UFO crafts and also higher, higher evolved beings and also uh, spirits. And I'll, I'll be real brief here, but 
it, it the, one of the reasons I like it is it's very accurate. You get strictly yes or no answers. You, if you ask a question, it'll swing to the right. That will be a yes. You ask a question, if it swings to the left, that will be a no. And if it goes back and forth, it's either you need to rephrase the question or I won't tell you. We sometimes get that. But you know, basically, you ask questions, and through the process of elimination, you, you come to your various answers. And key, key last point, uh, something George and I have discovered is uh, unlike a lot of experiment uh, experimentation with the, the psychic world or with the, the UFO world, with pendulum dowsing, you can have extended conversations with those on the uh, on the other side. You know, you don't have to sit there and hope that you would get maybe a one word EVP or maybe a knock on the wall or something like that. Uh, we've had conversations, you know, 10, 20 minutes with uh, spirits on the other side. And that's one of the benefits of using the simple rock on the string. And that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Fascinating. Fascinating. So it sounds like, you know, it's a pretty simple technique. And what this does is it kind of alters your your state or your consciousness to turn your mind into a receiver for all this different information that's like floating around us all the time that we we normally tune out. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that's that's great. Are there any other techniques that you guys employ besides pendulum dowsing or is that kind of the go to uh, when when you're looking into these kinds of paranormal phenomena? In our in the, the the book that we're referencing, Paranormal Pendulum Book Three, The Abduction of Lindsay Higgins, um, the primary resource was the pendulum. However, as the research continued and took over two years, uh, we had uh, two evidential mediums join the group. So we had their skill set plus the pendulum, and that was kind of a check and balance. You know, uh, we would have uh, a, a colleague who's uh, skilled with the pendulum holding his pendulum and the pendulum is going yes or sometimes swinging back and forth based on what the mediums are describing. So that was a way to check the accuracy of that information. Uh, but those were the two primary methods and we got a wealth of information. Uh, again, that's the heart of the uh, the book, Paranormal Pendulum 3. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's kind of a... <laughs> not quite throwing the kitchen sink at, at uh, looking into these things, but you're coming armed with a lot of, you know, different ways to approach it. Now, this well, is throw, we also, oh, we sure. also throw in that now we, uh, one of our, our, our key tools is basic common sense. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we don't, uh, we, we look for the truth. We don't look for the experience. We look for the truth and stand. The truth sometimes comes through the experience, but we're not out there looking for, so sure. We, we employ a lot of common sense and we, we've, uh, I don't want to say we've assembled a team, but a team has been assembled around us that involves, you know, mediums, other pendulum dowsers, but also some very uh, uh, highly educated, just business people who sit in and, and bring in you know, a non-psychic perspective to a lot of what we're doing. We have a couple of PhDs who, uh, who sit in with us and they're wonderful assets. Wow. That's great. That's great to have a network of people to, you know, help you out and to do the check and balance and, and to get the most accurate information, information possible for sure. Yeah. 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 Later on, ask George how the team came together. That's, that's a story in and of itself. Oh yeah. I, I'd love to hear that story in a little bit. Um, now this, this kind of reminds me a little bit of, you know, when people are using, using Ouija boards, is it, 
when you're communicating with the other side and you're tuning into this state, um, are there is there ever any concern that you'll contact uh, some kind of negative entity or so, something that would be along the lines of a trickster that might try to lead you in the wrong direction? Or is it mostly just uh, positive uh, entities that you're interacting with? Uh, well, yeah, I'll jump in there. Uh, I've been doing this for, for nearly 20 years. I've never had a negative experience. Um, I think primarily it's because I don't go looking for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are negative forces out there. Uh, I think I can speak safely for George and myself. Both we don't want to en- encounter any of that, so we don't go looking for it. Gotcha. We're gotcha. not receptive but, to it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. If the intention's not there, you're not inviting it in, which is you know probably. Right. Again, we're we're using yeah. we're using the pendulum <laughs> as a tool to investigate a certain mystery, and that's the focus. It's not necessarily uh, making contact with any particular other entity. We're just focused on what is going on with this particular mystery. Yeah, and that's where common sense comes in also. Uh, a lot of people uh, uh, who call themselves ghost hunters uh, will go out, and it, it's a matter of uh, common sense and interpretation. They hear a knock, like three knocks. Oh, well, that's the devil there, because three knocks, you know, it, it's evil. Uh, well, you know, they're looking for evil. George and I go out there, we hear three knocks, and go, hey, somebody knocked on the door. Come on. Get the recorder. Come on. So, you know, you, it's kind of like the law of attraction in a way. If you're looking for negative, you're going to find negative, even when it's not there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, the entities that you you speak with, you, you mentioned that you're you're able to have 20 minute conversations with these with these things. Are they, are they the spirits of people or are there other kind of uh just beings that were they don't exist on our plane but they're on the other side that aren't necessarily human yes, what, yes, what, yes. what are they <laughs> yes, yes, yes gotcha um is there well i suppose we'll 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 get into that a little bit later um i wanted to hear a little bit about um Dan, your your background with clinical hypnotherapy can you expand on that and how that's helped with your cases that you investigate and what its benefits are for, for the people that you, you work with? Yeah, well, basically, uh, I study, I'm, I'm registered clinical hypnotherapist and, uh, I legally, I can hang out a shingle, but I don't do that. I, I took the, yeah, I went to the, the, to, to the college for, for it mainly because I wanted to understand how the subconscious mind works. So, uh, mo- mostly I don't use hypnotism, uh, in the work that George and I are doing. And I, we could primarily it's because a lot of people are a little bit nervous about it. They don't fully understand that uh, hypnotism is, is a recognized therapeutic tool by the, you know, the AMA, the British Medical Association, Canadian Medical Association. It, it's a recognized therapy, but people are kind of shaky from it. But in, term, in, in learning that, it, it has helped me with the pendulum because it trained my mind to work with my subconscious mind. And it's been a, it's been a great help with that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, because when you when you're doing dealing with hypnotism, you're dealing, you, you do the same thing. You know the, uh, you know you get the the conscious mind looking at that, and then you get to work with the subconscious mind. There's a lot of yeah. parallels. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, with your <clears throat> book that you guys co-authored, Paranormal Pendulum Three, it's kind of a 
a beginner's guide and a how-to for using this technique for spirit communication. Uh, so can oh. anyone anyone learn this technique or is it more successful for those who are more attuned to the paranormal people who have a family history or uh, or ability? Yeah, let me jump in here. Let me jump in. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse the plug, but. Well, that's what we're here for. Yes. And people yeah, who are, that's, are that's watching the, on YouTube. Yeah. That's the how-to book. This is the basic how to communicate with, with the spirit world. And George was, you know, my primarily number one uh, research, I don't want to say assistant, but research partner in, in developing that book. And we developed a book, uh, Paranormal Pendulum 2, out of that, which is about what it's like on the other side. And while that was going on, we got involved with the Lindsey Higgins case. So the the the, the, the par Paranormal Pendulum 3 is not really a how-to. It, it relates the story. But the how-to book is out there, folks. Yes. Great. <laughs> Definitely. That's what we're here yeah. for. That's what we're here for. <laughs> now, you've also, you've helped with missing persons cases as well. Uh, missing children, which is a pretty yeah. heavy topic for people to hear, especially parents. How successful has, has this been with the, the cases you've investigated and in using pendulum dowsing and, and that kind of thing? Yeah, very successful. And, and you yeah, know, the success rate depends, you know, uh, not only on the case, but also uh, any given psychic has good days and bad days. And when, when I'm having a bad day, I am like, you know, thousands of miles off. <laughs> but when I'm having a good day or when, when any psychic is having a good day, you know, you're, you pinpoint right on target, right on target. And uh, unfortunately, the problem with working with, with psychics in finding missing persons, they're uh, kind of the, the court of last resort. You know, the authorities will go, well, we've tried everything else. We may as well give the psychic to try. And part of what, you know, I've, I've always tried to do with the psychic detecting work is, you know, we should be considered first responders. Uh, you know, the authorities will, I keep pointing out, you know, the authorities will say, we'll take it, the information anonymously through a telephone call. Well, why, if you will accept that and act on it, why wouldn't you accept information from talented, proven psychics who have a track record of finding missing persons? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why not? You know, if there's such a, yeah, you a, have good, nothing a good to lose. track record. Yeah. 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 Are, are there any cases that really stand out to you that you've you've worked on that, um, you know, uh, something that totally stumped the authorities that when you were brought into the situation? It just kind of got the case closed, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I can tell you one story. Uh, there was a case uh, up in uh, Colorado a couple of years ago. Uh, one of the situations it, it take, takes place in a small town, and the dad had murdered the son, twelve-year-old boy. And it's one of those cases you have these in small towns. Everybody knows who's guilty, but there's yeah, you know, there's just no evidence to prove it. So you know, I'm here in Mesa, Arizona, but got the call with some other people. And uh, we did our work. And it, with pendulum dowsing, you know, time and space is meaningless. You know, so I can work in, in you know, north of Durango, Colorado, from my office in Mesa. So, you know, worked the case. And I came up with two locations on a specific mountain. I don't, I'm, I'm getting the two results. I'm getting point A and point B, but they're on the same mountain. They're right on the same road. Uh, and uh, 
Yeah, back when I was really active in this, I also went out with the, uh, as a ground pounder with the search and rescue teams. So I was in on, on this uh, up at 10,000 feet uh, in Colorado. Very, very brisk mornings. Um, yeah, I'll well, point out something, a little quick sidebar. People think that uh, the police are not interested in psychics. The cops on the street are. But we went up there. The, uh, the local sheriff's department came out with like a, almost a food truck with, with coffee, hot chocolate, bagels, you know, you name it. Uh, they, they were 100% with us. And we did the, the ground pounding. And uh, two of the, they found uh, some finger bones and some femur bones uh, at one of the locations. And those were later uh, identified through DNA as belonging to the kid. And uh, I found through the back channels later on that the other location uh, that I had located, the cops told me, we think that was the murder scene. That's where they actually killed him. Wow. So. That's pretty intense. So, yeah. You know, uh, when it, when it works, it, it works just like that a lot. Uh, yeah. When it doesn't, you know, sometimes you have a bad day, but, yeah. but when it's good, yeah. You, even if the person is deceased, at least you can bring closure to the family, that sort of thing. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's a, I, a really, I think an important skill that authorities need to employ a lot more often with, these kinds of missing cases for sure. Well, yeah, the, 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 the way I work with it and several others work with it. Uh, when I do a missing person case, uh, I use the latitude and longitude. I, I, I get GPS coordinates. So if I'm wrong, you know, you go to the location, you know, well, he's not, he's not there. So you can, you can wipe that information out quickly. If I'm right, you're there. Yeah. 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 Like uh, th those bones I told, I told you about, uh, they told me that they found those within like 300 feet of my GPS coordinate. Wow. That's, that's what they tell me. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I wanted to s just circle back a little bit on like history for, for both of you guys. What kind of was the, the sparking moment, the catalyst that got you guys interested in, in the paranormal and this kind of stuff? Always had the interest. Yeah. Uh, one moment. Uh, uh, Grew up with it and always had an interest. Uh, it's just there. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people I've talked to are you know since since childhood they had a mm -hmm. you know uh, a gravitation towards this kind of stuff. Myself included. Yep. <laughs> uh, just you know uh, just a curious connection there between all all of us that are that are into this kind of thing. Now. Going back to your book, one of the main topics that it chronicles, as you've you've mentioned, is the story of an experiencer named Lindsay Higgins. And can you tell my listeners who she is and, and how she got into contact with you to tell her story and, you know, how how that all came to be? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Lindsay Higgins is a Shreveport woman. Um who called me one night out of the blue in, uh, I think it was October, 2017. And basically said, is this George Sewell? Oh, yes. Well, this is Lindsay Higgins. Uh, Joe Beth Baggett said, I, I could talk to you. And I was acquainted with Joe Beth with a mutual friend as it turned out. And well, what should we talk about? So for the next two hours, I got Lindsay's life history, uh, which included, chronic interactions with what we would call extraterrestrials 
And that's kind of what uh, got it going. Lindsay had reached a point in her life where she had been sitting on these experiences with no outlets. There's really nobody in the family. She had an aunt she could talk to a little bit. She had our mutual friend who could talk to a little bit. But there was no place to take the information. Uh, it's like when I was um, with, with MUFON back in the 80s and 90s. Uh, that was the main thing I learned was that I'm one of the few people uh, who is familiar with the field, who can listen in confidence. And that's mostly what they wanted to do. So I understand the frustration. Uh, what Lindsay came across, uh, I forget what uh, the podcast was, but she was listening to a podcast and it was mentioned in the podcast that there was a, a, a group of producers in Los Angeles who were putting together some stories for Netflix and they were looking for people who had lifelong experiences with the paranormal. And Lindsay just, okay, that's the way I'm going to get this out. So she wrote up her history, um, hit the send button. Yeah. Off it went to uh, Los Angeles. And within 24 hours, the producers are contacting her saying, uh, we need to set up a formal interview, uh, which was achieved. And within hours of the interview, Lindsay was informed that we are definitely going to tell your story as a part of the Netflix series Haunted, season one. And uh, she mentioned to them that she had been talking with me about the subject. And then they contacted me and said, oh, well, why don't you, can you come on out here in Los Angeles and be a part of the program too? I said, sure. <laughs> so that's where I first met Lindsay, uh, was on location in California uh, for this uh, Netflix Haunted season one. It's episode five is the, the Lindsay episode. And from there, um, got acquainted with her husband and got to learn more about her her stories. And what I was able to convey to Lindsay was virtually everything she was describing to me, I had already heard from other people. And that was a great relief for her. And this is around the time when Dan and I were finishing up uh, Paranormal Pendulum Book 2. And I'm realizing this pendulum thing... Uh, I have never come across it being used as a research tool in anything regarding ufology. And Dan, let's give it a go. So I introduced Dan to uh, Lindsay and her husband. And, uh, well, we went off to the races for two years. Yeah. Wow. That's that's fascinating. <laughs> now, so you got connected with her. Obviously, she has this really traumatic lifelong ongoing experience with dealing with ETs uh, and being abducted by them, uh, you know, extraterrestrial, interdimensional, whatever they are. And it was all of it. It was all yeah. of it. Some of it was yeah. physical, some of it was um, non-physical, but it was uh, with kind of a sign curve through her life, but real intense when she was very, very young, really picked up intensity when she was uh, late teens, early 20s. Um, but it was, uh, it was a very broad thing. And we, we learned a great deal, uh, over the course of the, uh, the research that, um, was not something we would have thought in the beginning of what was really happening with Lindsay. It turns out, um, that, well, the time frame we were, we, we came across was 6,000 years ago in a different plane, um, Lindsay, the, the entity that is known as Lindsay, and the spiritual guide that was manifesting as her primary 
E.T. during these experiences, and she was asked if she would participate in a long-term program to develop some aspects uh, that would benefit uh, Homo sapiens, primarily in uh, longevity and uh, reestablish the psychic abilities. <clears throat> she said, okay, sure, I'll do that. And that's what is happening now. And there was one interesting uh, component here that uh, turned up that uh, Lindsay, her father, and her sister, okay, in the same relationships they have today, they had in their previous lifetime. Same father, same Lindsay, and her same sister. And Lindsay was very curious about her experience as the Sally Murph Woodworth, as it turned out. So Dan and I were having a session with Lindsay using the pendulum for her to converse with herself as Sally Murph Woodworth. And what Lindsay really wanted to know when she was in that lifetime at Sally Murph, was she having the same extraterrestrial experiences? And then she got a very firm, oh, yes, oh, yes. So that's when we realized that this is multi-generational, and at least in Lindsay's case, uh, goes back for quite a while. Now, one thing we were able to do, uh, since Lindsay's attitude was, well, if I agreed to do this, okay, but can we do it without any pain and discomfort? And okay. And last I checked with her, uh, she's had some some interaction since we, we uh, got the book out. And there was there was no discomfort. So uh, at least that was a big, a big relief for her. Yeah. So that's. So you use the pendulum dowsing to to find out and you realize that there's this very, very long history with past lives and this agreement. Now, this kind of re implies reincarnation and, and all that kind of stuff, all too. All over the place. Soul, and soul groups. That's um, Is that something that you guys have run into with, with other people you've worked with? Or is this kind of like the, uh, the big, uh, big signal that, you know, you found something here? Well, well we, go, go ahead, Dan. No, yeah, well... Yeah, while we're well, researching uh, Paranormal Pendulum 2, what the spirits say, uh, reincarnation did come up. And what they told us, again, George and I are reporting what the spirits tell us. You know, th this is not stuff we're making up. But what they tell us is that reincarnation does occur, but it's not mandatory. In other words, you don't automatically recycle. It's a matter of choice. You, uh, you go through a life review. That's, that's, that's real. And then you decide whether or not to reincarnate. So, uh, yeah, reincarnation is real, but it's it's not obligatory. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. But definitely, definitely, definitely real. Uh, during my when I was getting my uh, my, my degree in uh, hypnotism, I did a lot of past life histories, past life researches, and I can definitely tell you there's really something to that. You know, there's no doubt about that whatsoever. Yeah. So. Now. George, you had mentioned that Lindsay, one of her past lives was one of the, the Wentworths. They were pretty well known, weren't they? Uh, yeah. <laughs> they made the papers a lot. 
Yeah. Can you expand out just for my, my, my audience, uh, who, who exactly they were, you know, what, what was their, their importance in history? You mean, you mean, uh, Lindsay's most recent incarnation? Yes. Yes. Um, they just a Shreveport family, uh, late 19th century into the early 20th century. Um, nothing in particular. Um, although, um, do have uh, some newspaper accounts that do reference uh, you know, the Woodward family. And uh, the way Dan and I were led to the Woodward family is a kind of an interesting story in itself. Um, when we were researching Paranormal Pendulum 2, um, we were uh, going to go to the oldest cemetery in Shreveport and uh, get some of the some more history uh, from some of the inhabitants, so to speak. And we had a contact with an individual and we asked, well, could you show us you know, where your remains are? Sure, fine. And so with the pendulum, we were being led to a certain uh, monument. Uh, that was not the individual, but that was the point to where we were passed over to another spirit um, who started guiding us through the, the old cemetery. And we were led to a family plot of the W.D. Woodworth family. Uh, there was um, the father, um, the mother, and uh, a son. Um, so we we were acquainted with the Woodward family that way. And then with the pendulum, we were able to learn that there was a daughter um, that uh, was the previous incarnation of Lindsay. And then we learned that W.D. was the previous incarnation of her current father and that her current sister was again, her sister in that previous incarnation. So it was very specific that we were directed to learn about that family so that Lindsay could learn that in that experience, she still had active contact with the extraterrestrials as part of whatever this uh, long-term program is. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. an inter- interesting sidebar, you mentioned about uh, trickster spirits and, and all of that. Uh, we don't have a trickster, but uh, George and I, Somehow became buddies with with the spirit of W. D. Woodward. He kept showing up during during uh, during uh, during a lot of our uh, a lot of our researches. He would just pop in, you know, basically to say hello. But W. D. was quite a cat. Interesting. Yeah, well, just yeah, let, was, let me elaborate on that just just a little yeah. bit. I mean, uh, a, a lot of times <laughs> when you're working with the pendulum, you get a feel for who you're you're dealing with, and there there was a very distinct. Um, camaraderie with WD, we, we, we would really appreciate him in, in person. Um, but um, there were also newspaper accounts of um, WD would put an ad in the local paper, uh, attention merchants, do not sell my wife anything on credit for I will not pay it. And in another edition of the paper, there'll be an ad put in by his wife saying, merchants, do not sell my husband alcohol. He's a drunk. <laughs> I mean, these were ads they were putting in the paper. So it was a pretty lively, lively bunch. Interesting. Interesting. Um, were, were there any, um, beyond these newspaper um, like ads and, and articles and stuff, were there any other telltale signs that this was uh, a true connection with Lindsay to this previous incarnation, you know, in, in some reincarnation cases with young children, 
they talk about the site where they died or how they died mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Was there anything that came through that kind of uh, for you guys that was like, this is like a, this is legit. This is the smoking gun. And these are, this is the real connection here. Not in an evidential sense, like you were describing, but uh, an example would be um, in Paranormal Pendulum 2. Uh, one of the places where Dan and I went to speak to a resident spirit uh, that inhabited uh, uh, what is now an art center, but for half a century, it was the main fire station in Shreveport. And there was a lot of belief that the individual who was hanging around, so to speak, was the the late uh, fire chief who was fire chief for 30, 40 years. He was much beloved. So while we were there, um, we made uh, contact with uh, a spirit who was a fireman in the uh, 1920s, early 20th century. Um, and then we went to another room and made contact with this uh, the, the most recent fire chief. And um, later, when Dan and I went to Greenwood Cemetery, to the site where Sally Murph Woodworth is buried alongside her husband, who it turns out was that fireman we contacted first at the uh, fire station. So that was uh, Kendrick. <clears throat> so that kind of got our attention. So um, that's a little more than coincidence. That's that's more directed. You're just, okay, guys, you're going in the correct direction. So you 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 know these are true people. And they are truly connected. Yeah, we had an interesting. Yeah, we had an interesting experience uh, during this research. Uh, George, you might correct me on a couple of the minor details, but uh, George and I had a meeting in the afternoon scheduled, and we were kicking around in the morning. And we just said, "Well, let's just do a reading and see what we see. What we see if anybody shows up." You know, basically not really killing time, but you know, investing time in something we hadn't planned on doing. And we got to contact with a spirit of a young man who had uh, died in an electrical accident. He was an electrician. He was working on a refrigerator. Uh, The the screwdriver touched the wrong wire, and he was electrocuted, and he was found later. And he was concerned that uh, he was a good Catholic, came from a good Catholic family. He was worried that the family would uh, think that he had committed suicide because he was very depressed at that particular time. And he was worried that, you know, because he was depressed, they would think, well, I'm a suicide. And he did not want his family to do that, to think that. So George and I said, well, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll write your story up and maybe somehow your family will be able to, uh, yeah, maybe they'll come across the story. We, we'll do what we can. All right, we go to the meeting that afternoon. And before we start, George and I kind of relating, this is what we did today. And the uh, the uh, the young woman we were interviewing just stopped and said, "That's my uncle Bob, or my cousin Bob, whatever it was." But we had des- we had described exactly the situation that that family was facing. They said he was an electrician. He died working on a refrigerator. He was very depressed, and the whole family is worried that he was uh, a suicide. So, so you know somehow I think. Uh, the spirit knew that George and I would be meeting with this person that afternoon. So he showed up, you know, hey, there's an opportunity for get my message through. 
And that's a case of, you know, George and I couldn't have made that up. You know, we knew all the details and it was ver verified after the fact. Interesting. Yeah. You got to so wonder. We were basically a, a conduit for, for doing a good thing and, and helping a family with the resolution of a painful situation. Yeah, no, that's, that's wonderful that you were able yeah. to resolve that, that situation for sure. And it just makes me think of, you know, what is it? It's a, it's an unfortunate accident, but it makes me, it makes me wonder, you know, how, how these, these spirits come to you and the kind of abilities and powers that they, they have on, on the other side. It's, it's just I'm, a really gonna, fascinating thing. Yeah. I want to lead lead into George something, on, <laughs> George on something, but I live in Mesa, Arizona. George lives in uh, Bossier city, Louisiana. We're 1250 miles away. Now I'm doing all my research for this book in Louisiana. Now think about that. You know, here I am out in uh, a paranormal central out, central out west. Right. I'm driving 1,250 miles to do my research. I think the situation was uh, not manipulated, but managed by, by from the spirit side. And there's a chapter in a book called the, the, the Stage Manager. And I think she was behind that. And I'm going to let George kind of <laughs> I'll segue uh. into George about that. <laughs> Yeah, in the, in the course of um, investigating uh, the abduction of Lindsay Higgins, um, <clears throat> both Dan and I were drawn into some very, very interesting uh, experiences. And specifically what Dan is referencing is uh, during this time, uh, it was my general morning practice to get up early and walk a mile down to Mike Wood Park, which is uh, adjacent to Barksdale Air Force Base. And it's got a mile track around it, and then I'd come back. So it'll be a three-mile walk, good way to start the day. And this was in December. It was a particularly frosty morning, and I got to the park, and uh, the baseball field was just covered in ice. It was really sparkly. So I took a picture of it, and my thought was I'll post that on Facebook as a scene on this morning stroll. And, and I did that. And I started getting some responses from uh, – some of my friends on Facebook, George, what a lovely photograph, but what's with the blue tennis ball? What? I went back and looked at the photograph and sure as heck, uh, kind of hovering above the baseball field is a kind of a baseball, softball size blue sphere. I hadn't seen it, but the camera took a picture of it. I said, hmm. I kind of blew it off as some sort of lens flare since the sun was above the horizon at that time. But I made it a point every time I took that morning walk, I would stop at the same place and just recreate that photograph. And there's an orb. Do it again. There's another orb. And it just happened enough that, okay, something's going on here. So I sent all the photographs out to Dan and said, Dan, <laughs> get your biggest pendulum and see if you can get an idea of what's going on here. Yeah. And Dan very quickly came back to me with uh, uh, the orb is a spirit. It is a spirit known to you, but not in this lifetime. I'm like, whoa, hello. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, what, it, what was going on was if you want to get George's attention, this is one good way to do it. So my attention was had, and my attention was directed to look for 19th century American actresses. So I started internet searching for 19th century American actresses, and one name kept popping up, and that was Kate Bateman. 
the Batemans were a theatrical family. She was born in Baltimore in 1840, I think. Uh, she married uh, George Crow from England, moved to England, and was famous on the English stage in her more mature years. Uh, and it apparently that uh, this sphere, and it was almost always displayed as a very beautiful blue globe with a lot of lights and texture to it, a really pretty picture. We got a copy of it in the book. Um, so I sent that information out to Dan, and he gets a big, oh, yes, that's that's it. This this is the spirit of Kate Bateman. I uh, had a session with uh, one of our evidential mediums specifically uh, to focus on this Kate Bateman concept. And she said, oh, absolutely. This is, you know, you and Kate have known each other for thousands of years. This is what y'all do. And she just presented all sorts of information. And then it kind of got into that... Um, Kate had kind of set all this up. Uh, Kate is well acquainted with Lindsay, and she put the bug in Lindsay's ear, it's time for you to come out, and made sure that Lindsay heard that podcast to send her story out to Los Angeles uh, to get us together and to bring in Dan and the Pendulum as a means of investigating not only Lindsay's case, but in the process, we are going to encounter so much more of the phenomenon. Um, so we did have a stage manager, as it turned out, who was making sure all of these things came together because it was it was uncanny. Okay, I'm a skeptic. And at one point I got a little concerned because everything was just flowing too well. I mean, people were coming in to join the team and what they were adding to it really just unfolded a new, a new a chapter, so to speak. And I got a little skeptical about that and I'm wondering, well, this is, this is almost too good. I wonder if, if on a subliminal level, maybe somehow Dan and I are influencing our own experience. So, uh, got up 7 AM, December 28, 2020, go into the living room, open up the morning blinds, you know, this dawn's coming, so let the sunlight in and, Hovering above my neighbor's house across the street is at least a 20-foot diameter yellow and orange sphere. Big thing. Just staying there saying, George, <laughs> examine me. Uh, the fringe was the, the, the circumference was not hard. It was kind of flared. Um I could see the first light of the morning sun in the distance, uh, but it just stayed there and i uh, i must have examined it 10 minutes just whoa okay this is real this is not illusionary and um what i did next is what really got my attention i went and made a cup of coffee fed the cat walked back by the window and it's gone and that's when it hit whoa okay Normally, I would have stepped outside to look at the thing directly, most certainly would have attempted to take a photograph. Those two concepts never entered my mind. And the reason it didn't, because I was being given a taste of the communication process while I was looking at it. That's why I never had the thought to take a picture, go outside. Um, and once it left and boom, there was a, a change of something. I mean, I, was, I felt that something had occurred. 
meditating on it that evening. I said, this, this was such a profound experience that was absolutely real. And there were no variables involved with it whatsoever. And the impressions I got that evening while just reflecting on it was I was giving a taste of the communication process. And what had occurred was a diplomatic reveal, a formal revelation of these entities and forces uh, as reality and because of the subtlety of their communication okay that explains why i didn't had no thought to go out and look at it or attempt to photograph it those were no-nos i could look at it but could not approach it, it was basically uh the reasoning so um uh, that went a long way to, to explain a lot of some of Lindsay's experiences but also with people i've talked to in, in years past uh, and they were often surprised at what they did not do, okay? And now I understand it's the, the, the subtlety of the communication. It's, it's, it's really, you'd have, you'd have to have had the experience I had in order to pick it up. Okay, I got you, I got you. So um, that was one of the, my big benefits, if you will, uh, from participating uh, in, in this uh book fascinating fascinating and, and there's this mantra of uh when you look into a phenomenon it looks back at you right so that was exactly. that, that, that oh, was yes. them cluing <laughs> cluing you in that we're loud and clear that we're here <laughs> uh now circling back to you know these entities did Lindsay ever get kind of a good look at them? Were they the the stereotypical gray aliens or were they something else? And did she does she have an idea of what their goals are, what their end game is? Um, for herself, she was clueless as to what the goals or end game. She was just aware that uh, uh, when she was having any experience, it was very, very uncomfortable for her. <clears throat> uh when, as it turns out, when where Lindsay grew up, the property where she grew up, uh, Dan and I were able to uh, later learn uh, that that property is near a interdimensional portal in South Shreveport. And apparently what Lindsay was seeing and experiencing was beings coming in and out of this portal. I see. And she would often describe um, Seeing three, she called them shadow people. Boy, have I heard that a lot. And they're always in threes. They're they're kind of shadow forms, and but she never really sees the face. Mm. Either not allowed to or doesn't want to, but she doesn't see the face. And um, so we're we're confident that much of what she was seeing, she really was. And it was because of this portal. Uh, and where she, where her house was, that she was able to do that. Now, interestingly, um, we also learned that that property uh, was very, very old. In fact, when her father bought it, um, he had uh, geologists and landmen come out just to do a history of it. Because it, it's high ground in South Shreveport. It's got a natural spring, and it's right near an um, information post describing that this was an area uh, that were used by the Caddo Indians 
as a principal trading area uh, back in way history. So the land itself had a history of there's water on it. It's got a history of Native American habitation and it's near a portal. Now you get that mix and you're going to have stuff occur. Yes. And yes, indeed. Wow. That's very interesting. Now, I kind of looked in, into a little bit of, of Shreveport. It seems like it's in, in general kind of a, a hot spot for this kind of stuff. And and uh, there's been other people who have experienced, you know, witnessing UFOs or coming into contact with these entities. Uh, were you able to corroborate or talk to anybody else in the community that had similar experiences to Lindsay? Not formally. I mean, people who know me are aware that I have an interest in this arena and sometimes they'll send somebody my way who just they just need somebody to talk to. And that's that's really as far as I take it. I'm not trying to prove or disprove anything. I'm just a confidential listener. Um, but yes, um, Shreveport uh, has quite a history of paranormal activities. And Dan and I more recently kind of suspect that that is one reason why Barksdale Air Force Base was located here and specifically located uh, in Bossier Parish, whereas originally it was going to be in Shreveport. Um, but the Army Air Corps said, nah, it cost us too much to level those hills. And they, well, okay, in Bossier, it's all flat. And they said, okay, we'll do that. Um, and we have reason to believe that uh, several thousand years ago, and this will be in our current book that we're working on, uh, there was a uh, a Native American village that was located on what is now part of Barksdale Air Force Base Reservation. And that village uh, was kind of considered the spiritual center of all the culture in North Louisiana, Northwest, North, well, all North Louisiana, stretching over to Poverty Point and whatnot. And there was an energy source underground in this village <clears throat> that <clears throat> was a particular interest to what we would term extraterrestrials. And so even at that time, thousands of years ago, there were craft coming to that area to refuel or draw upon this energy source. Uh, we're not certain whether it was uh, for mechanical reasons or personal health reasons, but uh, again, this is still an open investigation. But uh, that seems to be the attraction because in many of the photographs I've been taking down at the park all these many years, very often there will be in the sky um, objects that are clearly not birds and they are not conventional aircraft. And we'll put the pendulum to it. Uh, you know, is, is this a bird? No. Is this a conventional craft? No. Is this some debris held aloft by the wind? No. Is this what Dan and I would call a, an identified flying object? Yes. And so we're in the current research, we're looking into that because that is continuing now and apparently has continued uh, for thousands of years at that location. So there's something very important about that particular geographic point. Super interesting. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, more, more evidence that whatever this phenomena is, it's, it's been with us for eons and uh, you know, what, what the goal is, we, we just don't quite, uh, quite know. Now, 
are these these entities uh, connected with the other side, the afterlife in any way? Have you have you found that there's, you know, when speaking with um, spirits from the other side, you know, do are the ETs able to influence anything on that side? I've heard things of like, you know, when people pass away, they go to the light and there's theories that that's actually the extraterrestrial entities trying to uh, guide your soul elsewhere <laughs> into not uh, where it's supposed to go. <laughs> no, I, I, don't, I don't think that's quite right. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, paranormal pendulum too. There definitely is a white light. That's that's part of the normal process. I don't think the ETs are involved in that whatsoever. But one of the things that comes out in Paranormal Pendulum 3 is the fact that the ETs are, in some cases, very actively working with spirits. And I think, uh, as George related earlier, the, the Kate Bateman story is a perfect example. Like, uh, you know, Kate Bateman, the spirit of Kate Bateman, pulled us all together to help Lindsay Higgins with her situation with the ETs. So there is some type of... Uh, uh, there, there's definitely a connection there. We're still exploring that, but there's a definite definite connection between the spirit world and the ETs, however you want to describe the ETs. But you know that you know that's covered. That's we we touch on that pretty well in the book. It's mm -hmm. it's, it's a fascinating aspect. I'm not sure many people have picked up on yet. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, Arthur Dolores Cannon, um, the late Dolores Cannon, um, spent. 30 years as a regressive hypnosis going back into past lives and beyond. And very often uh, some of her um, clients would report being an ET or having an ET experience. So uh, ultimately, I think we're all part of the same soul, uh, just different expressions, different histories, and bring that particular aspect of experience and personality into any particular incarnation or contact. Um, haven't encountered anything negative. Interesting. Interesting. Now, when you were doing this whole investigation into Lindsay, is this kind of like you mentioned there's a whole story behind the team you put together earlier in the show. Is this kind of when this all started to come together for you guys, or was that something that happened uh, in your earlier books uh, and in, in dealing with these these investigations, uh, it, it started snowballing really towards the end of Paranormal Pendulum Two. It really got rolling in in the third book. Uh, a good example of how these things seem to come together out of nowhere, and you can feel the hand of a little Kate Bateman behind it. But a good friend of mine, a friend of George's, uh, Dave McMillan, who is a radio personality, has a national radio program. And he's in uh, Shreveport. Dave and I have known each other since the 1970s, like George and I. And uh, Dave had us on one of his uh, Monday night programs to talk about, you know, what we were doing. And, you know, after after the program was over, we'd been discussing pendulum dowsing and the spirit world and the, and the UFOs. And Dave, you know, says, oh, by the way, you know, I'm a pendulum dowser. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Do you think maybe I could kind of join you guys in, in some of your work? Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, and by the way, my wife is a medium. My wife, Lauren, is a medium. So she would love to be in on this. So, you know, like like that, two team members showed up out of the blue. There you go. <laughs> and, taking so, it a, and taking it a step further, <laughs> again, this will be showing up in the next book, Paranormal Pendulum 4, or whatever we, we end up titling. Uh, that village I just mentioned that was 
4,000 years ago was on the property that is now part of Barstale Air Force Base. The shaman for that village, a small village, you know, maybe 100 people. The shaman for that village was an earlier incarnation of Lauren. Interesting. So this is, this is, this is all getting really connected, almost incestuous. <laughs> Which, yes. again, I, that, that sort of explains how it's unfolding in the way that it, that it is. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's, um, yeah, that's something that's <laughs> so I, I'm wondering after you worked with Lindsay haunted airs, the episode, was there any high strangeness that happened for, for Lindsay or, or for you guys? I, I think about stories of people coming out publicly with UFO encounters, alien abductions, and then they might get a visit from, the men in black and they show up and harass people, tell them not to talk about stuff. Has anything like that happened to you guys uh, since uh, releasing all this stuff? Not not to us. However, Lindsay does report that there was uh, an apparent uh, men in black moment uh, not long after um, the program came out. Um, nothing really threatening, just uh, uh, some phone calls that came out of the blue on a telephone line in her office where she works that is not publicly known. Nobody knows the number and the phone is not used, but that phone rang and there was a, a kind of a gruff male voice. Um, basically, uh, it, you don't need to talk about this type thing. Um, but the, that, that was the extent of it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, no high strangeness really for me, except I, I will say that, uh, I have noticed a lot more UFOs since the, since we started this project. I'm not sure. I I think that's them reaching out, but it may be just that I'm I'm, I'm paying a lot more attention. But gotcha. yeah, I've seen a lot more. Uh, as I say, I've seen uh, bright lights in the sky exhibiting non ballistic motion a lot. Wow. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you're in Arizona, which is yeah. a pretty big hot spot. There's been a lot of different activities. You know you got the well yeah 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 uh, analogous to what georgia had uh, across the street i was out camping by myself up in utah way way back in the canyonlands and uh i had meditated that evening on you know what you know if i'm here by myself there's nobody around if you will show up just between you you guys and me i'll be here and you know med seriously meditated on you know contact went to bed uh, got in my cot Three o'clock in the morning, bam, wide awake, was set up in my cot, and it was chilly, so I threw all my, and I looked up, there was a bright yellow light about the size of the full moon just over the horizon, uh, yeah, and the moon had set hours early, I'd watched the moon go down, so I said, well, this is odd, Yeah. so I got up, watched it a minute, got up, walked around the side of my truck, stood there by the side of my truck for probably a minute and watched it. And it was just a bright yellow, full moon size globe hovering, hovering, you know, and the, the, where I'm looking, that's over the reservation. So there's no towns out there. There's no farms out there. There's no airport out there. Just this light. So I said, I'm going to take a picture of that. Gone. <laughs> just, I mean, just, just like that. Wouldn't you know it? <laughs> but yeah. I think it's just what, like George said, you know, you can look, but you can't touch. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, that seems to be the case with in a fact, lot of this uh, stuff. Uh, I think it was Carl Jung 
uh, who had a strong interest in this subject, by the way, he made the comment that uh, the UFOs are camera shy. Mm. <laughs> yes, yes. Or just inherently blurry. <laughs> yeah. Now, Lindsay's doing OK these days. Uh, you said that, you know, there was uh, communication with the entities for, you know, when they're doing whatever they do, uh, that they are able to not inflict any pain on her. Yeah, apparently, again, I haven't had a specific interview with Lindsay for, for oh gosh, ever since the book came out. Um, but I'm, you know, we're, we're Facebook friends, so I kind of, you know, get to see what she's doing. And she seems to be having just a really good time. Uh, nothing, she got some health issues, but uh, just to, just to check on it, I did a little pendulum session and do these have anything to do with extraterrestrials? No. Okay. You know, these 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 their current health issues are are not uh, related uh, to these experiences. So, um, yeah. Well, that's you know, hopefully she is able to take care of those health issues mm -hmm. and and that mm -hmm. all that other stuff. Uh, now, I was wondering if you guys have any opinions on any of the recent revelations and military whistleblowers that have been coming out talking about you know, stuff related to alien disclosure, uh, which would certainly validate Lindsay's and, and many other thousands of people who have experienced stuff like this. You know, what do you think is going to happen next with, with this whole thing? The suspicion is that this will be the next, uh, excuse for weaponization. And that, um, I have never, come across nor have had any information whatsoever that there's any kind of a civilizational threat, personal threats. There may be some categories of entities who really don't care for humans, but well, there are people in Shreveport who don't care for me. I don't I can't imagine it, but um so um I've lost my train of thought there. <laughs> Well, I think, uh, you know, if you go back in history, I believe it was General MacArthur who said that at the end of World War II, said the next war would begin between the planets. And my personal interpretation of that was not that they, there was going to be a real war between the planets, but that would be an excuse for, uh, for uh, military control. Weaponization of space. Weaponization, kind of thing. yeah, uh -huh. yeah. In other words, that's, that's a, it's a red, it's an Operation Northwoods type deal. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 Definitely. That would that would that would be my real concern. It's like you know, the, the aliens are here, so we've got to you know you've got to give up your rights, your liberties mm. for your own protection. Now the counter to that <laughs> is apparently the preferred method of contact uh, with these other um, entities or civilizations is personal, and they do seem to run in family, so it's long term contact. So that you know it's. Uh, the relationship is intertwined, and uh, I, I just don't see the indication or the evidence that there's um, an invasion is imminent or where there's mischief going on. Um, we 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 see such a narrow, such a narrow portion of what's going on. So I'm really hesitant to draw conclusions from the very limited uh, information that we have. Yeah. Yeah, if they were going to invade, I mean, they would have done it 10,000 years ago. Right. Or 5,000 years ago or last year. I mean, it just, it doesn't, you know, 
if you can get to the earth from over there to here and you can, you know, violate the laws of physics as we understand it willy nilly, uh, if they were going to invade, they would have already invaded. If they were going to wipe us out, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I have a hard time believing that there'd be any malevolent intention, you know, um, it just seems like they're here, they're observing us and we're not entirely sure, or we might not even be able to understand what the goal is, but, uh, yeah. So, um, leading on that thought, you've, you've mentioned you, you guys are working on a new book. Are there any other projects you guys have, uh, coming up in the works or is it mo mostly focused on your next, your next book? Well, yeah, basically collaborating. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's our next collaboration project. Dan, of course, has got a, a number of other books that he's working on. Gotcha. Yeah. One of the, yeah the, the project we're working on, I'll just tease you a little bit about it. But uh, George is over in the, the heart of the mound building culture. And I'm out here in the heart of the cliff dweller culture. And both cultures have uh, had contact with uh, sky people. People who have come down from the sky and have interacted with the, with the people there. So we are exploring uh, the sky people. Nice. That's going to be a very, yeah, very yeah, interesting yeah. I would topic. say more, but we don't know. We don't know where it's going because we're still researching it, and it's yeah. It's really and uh, yeah, what we're what we're learning <laughs> at this stage is that um, our history doesn't look like we think it does. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm excited for that one. Uh, definitely. We'll let you know. Yeah. I'll have to have you guys back on whenever you uh, put this next book out. Uh, and this has been a really fascinating conversation, uh, Dan and George. Can you tell my listeners where the best place is to uh, to find your work online? Well, yeah. All my books, including the ones that George and I have done together, are available at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, D2D. Yeah, wherever you order your books, you can you can order our books. Great, and that's uh, this has been a, a awesome conversation. Thanks again for coming on. Uh, hey, thank you. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we'll be in touch in the future for some updates. I I hope. <laughs> Please. All right. Thank you. Thanks again to Dan and George for coming on to the show. You can find all of their links in the show notes. The whole pendulum dowsing technique sounds super interesting and part of me wants to try it out sometime for myself. But if you're interested, definitely check out their book series about it. And what a wild ride the Lindsay Higgins story was. Stories and news of the extraterrestrial alien phenomena and UAPs and UFOs and disclosure has been really prevalent this year. I've suspected for a long time that there's someone or something else out there potentially observing us, maybe even coming down from time to time to interact with humanity. But whether or not it's benevolent or otherwise interdimensional or extraterrestrial is the real question. It'll be interesting to see in terms of disclosure what exactly is going on in the coming months and years but i think we've 
only just begun to understand the tip of the extraterrestrial iceberg. As always, a huge thank you to everyone out there who checks out the Strangeology podcast, listeners who have been with me since the beginning, and all you new listeners out there joining along the way. And especially to those who have recently found me, welcome aboard to the show. When you download the show, share it with friends, family, and your extended networks, it helps me out so much when you do that. The Strangeology podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of listeners like you. To any advertisers or companies out there looking to collaborate with the Strangeology podcast or would like to be considered for an interview on the show, please send all business inquiries to info at strangeology.com. And if you're looking for another way to support Strangeology, again, you can check out my Etsy shop, which is at strangeology.etsy.com. I have a whole assortment of cryptid, alien, and otherwise Fortean gear available on items like t-shirts, tank tops, and long sleeves. And since cooler weather is coming, I've also got sweatshirts, hoodies, and fleece blankets as well. And since it's the spooky season, make sure to grab some Halloween-themed merch too. I'm hoping to get a couple new designs up in the next week or so, so be on the lookout. I've also got tons of stickers, magnets, prints, mugs, enamel pins, tumblers, and more. I'm always looking to try to find cool new items to add my designs to and to do new designs as often as I can. So again, that's strangeology.etsy.com. And make sure to use that link because Etsy is doing a new thing where they are discounting their processing fees a bit for sellers when people use that link. Helps out a ton. And again, don't forget to follow me over on all my social media accounts for more content updates and even stuff like giveaways. I haven't done a giveaway in a hot minute, so I'll probably be hosting one soon. So make sure to follow my Instagram for sure and stay tuned because that's where I do them. And maybe you'll get to win some awesome Strangeology merch. All right, I think that's all from me for now. I'm going to take a quick break here. Dan and George were able to stick around for a little while longer to recount some other stories they had in the paranormal realm, experiences in the American Southwest. So you won't want to miss it. Patrons, stick with me and for everyone else. Until the next time, take care of yourselves and each other and keep it strange.
All right, welcome back to the show, members, for Strangeology Beyond, your exclusive 